0: The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. So, last week we, we opened up this, this, this book, Barely of Corinthians. I'm not even sure if we got to Corinthians 1.1. And today we'll try to, we'll try to at, least, at least get to that. And it's these, these massive letters, really, in the New Testament that Paul wrote. And Paul's a, a, obviously a, a strong missionary church planner figure of, of the New Testament. And. We looked at Acts a little bit last week. We may dive back in for a few minutes today. But this is one of the areas, one of the cities he spent the most time in. So for whatever reason, it was a work to be done, the people he got to know, the the impact it could have on the rest of the world. He spent a lot of time in Corinth. And so when we read these letters, we're reading him writing to a place that that he's really invested into. Not that he didn't care about other places, but this is one of those ones as we sort of color the text of, of this writer Paul and the people he's working with. Uh, when he when he says things that are disappointing, you could, you, we want to pick up on the heartache behind that. Uh, he gets kind of strong with these these people at some point, and, and this is going to be probably useless with these, this light on here. But um, you can throw a map up up up, up there, uh, Alex. And uh, I think we looked at this before. Probably revisit it. But you see Corinth there in Greece, and there's Athens and uh, Corinth. Just a little background on Corinth. Corinth is one of the major cities of, of of the Greek Empire or the Macedonian Empire. So it was it was like Carthage, and, and it was Corinth. Um, massive city, trade route, wealthy, um, a, a hot spot for people to travel to and through and uh, really built up. And, and so what happened to Corinth, though, when Rome came in, so th- it was around the 300s that Alexander the Great and that whole movement was taking over. And we had a, the zenith of sort of Macedonia or the Greek Empire uh, Rome starts coming in there, and they're rising, and Rome's rising, and they're growing, and they're growing, and they take Athens, or t- take Carthage, and then they come, and in, in, in the last sort of front of the Macedonian Empire was Corinth, and that fell in 146 uh, B.C. So Paul's in here around 50 A.D.-ish, so 200 years before we're, we're spending time in Corinth now. It was leveled by Rome, like absolutely leveled, and it was a big, bustling, popular, important city, and Rome just put it on the ground. It, 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 it took, all the men were, were wiped out by the sword. It, all the women and children were taken into to slavery, and it was just left as rubble. And so for about 100 years, the city was left that way. They guess there were some uh, random few inhabitants there, but it slowly began to perk back up, uh, even under the Roman Empire. And because of its location, it was just a, a massive trade route, And it began to come find life again. And so about 100 years of of rebuilding, it's five times the size of Athens. And it's this major metropolitan city again. That's when we're spending time in it now. That's that's the city Paul is addressing. And we say that because this city, even for its time, would have been known as like an ancient city of Corinth, but really it was was brand new. And it was at the forefront of thought and liberties and even the world around it. It was like, whoa, those guys do that there? I mean, they were very progressive, very liberal for even the worldview of that time. Um, but but thoughtful and wealthy and had a lot going for them. They were young, dynamic. There was people traveling from all over the world to hang out in this place, uh, mix of ethnic ethnic ethnicities, uh, different identities, tons of spirituality from old and new, and a mix of Rome. And so that's where we're hanging out. It, it's it's a it's it's a it's, a, it's a, a New York or an LA. It's these people that are, they're advancing and they're thinking and they're living however they want to live. And they don't necessarily need anyone else to tell them not to live that way because they're doing fine. The city is doing fantastic. People are having a good time. They don't care. This is not some poor people out in the country who don't have food and water and Paul comes in and they'll listen because he's going to feed them. They're like, this is, this is, this is ground zero of sort of, of philosophical thought and culture and hedonism and paganism, and Paul is right in the middle of this place. And we kind of looked at briefly, I think last week, he, he even had this moment where God has to encourage Paul. Uh, God encourages Paul. And we'll look at that again a little bit today because I think it's important. Uh, a, little other, a little bit other more background on Corinthians. I'm going to read this out of Corinthians 5, 9, since 1 Corinthians, so a few chapters in. Uh, 9 says, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. So, so the, the takeaway on this is that Paul's written letters to these people before. We don't always see those letters. We don't, we don't have every letter. Uh, but it's re- remind when we read the text, when we read the scripture, when we read the epistles, we're jumping into the middle of some story. And sometimes we're getting more of it, sometimes we're getting less of it. Paul has already been in some kind of dialogue with people. So we read it as 1 Corinthians. It's at least 2 Corinthians. Could be further further down the line. 2 Corinthians, very likely two letters. So what, what the idea is that we're getting into this. Paul's having this dialogue via letter with these people uh, three, four, five, maybe more times. This is an ongoing ongoing thing even though we're going to pick up and like man paul should settle down on this thing like he's been dealing with this thing for a while and he said i told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin this was major of course. this was everybody this is how they lived Uh, i wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols you should have to leave this you would have to leave this world to avoid people like this this is Corinthians five nine. He's like, listen, I'm not talking about the unbelievers who live that way, which is the entire city, not to associate with them. You'd have to leave the world. And that's almost a good reminder for us sometimes. Like, when things just go around, like, yeah, that's going to happen. That happens today. It's going to continue to happen. There's going to be people who do dumb things. Uh, Crisis is going to befall us. And you'd have to leave the world to avoid those things and totally. So Paul's like, "I I get it. Like, that's where you live. The bad stuff's everywhere. But I meant verse 11 is not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in a sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard, or cheats people don't even eat with such people so he lists all these same attributes like if you're seeing that stuff even in your church you got to be careful of that because they're missing it They, they they're missing something there he said it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders but it's certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning god will judge those on the outside Scriptures say you must remove the evil person from among you. So this little couple paragraphs here in, in, in chapter 5 really kind of strikes the idea of the book. So I just want to foreshadow this is the stuff he's dealing with. So this, this lists everything. He's going to go through and start talking about these more. Here's why you shouldn't be a greedy, junkard, a greedy drunkard in the church. This is why this doesn't work for everybody. And he kind of breaks this stuff down. But he's, he's acknowledging this, this chaos in this city. And again, he's you know letter or two deep. He spent all this time here discipling people, planting the church. Uh, the spirit of God's moving. Then he starts to find out this is how they're living again. He's like, what in the world? You can imagine sort of the heartbreak. And we looked at in Acts 18. There's, these, there's a couple stories of people in there that lives are, are, are changed dramatically. They were the leaders of the synagogue, a Jewish synagogue, religious leaders, and, and God gets a hold of their life via Paul, and everything, everything changes for them. And they cannot maintain how they were living, now that this sort of new revelation of faith has entered their lives. And Paul's going to be kind of cast that onto these people. You cannot continue to live this way. You don't even belong to yourselves anymore. Right? And these illuminations of faith, these revelations of faith, even for you and I, may actually change your life. They may actually demand that your life changes a little bit. And it's easy to look at these people in this story from a long time ago, and, and and doing all this stuff that they do, and they say, oh, they, they obviously they didn't get it. But man, you and I sometimes, as we as we lean into this revelation of Jesus, of gospel, of caring for people, of God moving, of, of being submissive to the Spirit, like how often does your life really reflect any change to maybe maybe before? And so Paul's jumping on these things. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, he was not given an option to maintain his old life. You cannot be a Christian and a, and a Paul follower and leave the Jewish synagogue. Like, that doesn't work, right? And for you and I, particularly kind of in our Western cultures, parts of the world where, where, where faith matters big time, it will change your life, you can kind of cruise around here however you like. It may or may not impact your job, the way you relate to people. You can come on, come to any given church on a Sunday, check that thing off, and just kind of go on your way. And Paul's reminding the church of Corinth, like, no, you cannot just go back to your, your old way of life, your old way, and so when these, these letters start to, to share this stuff, you, you kind of see what Paul was dealing with, almost like banging his head up against the wall with these people. And so when that Acts 18, 9, and 10, when we, we got that little insight of that one night the uh, Lord spoke to Paul in the vision and said, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. Right? He's saying, because Paul's already dealing with this, like, I can't do this, these people are nuts. These people don't care. God says, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I'm with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed. And when, when God addresses Paul here, and I just want to revisit this. We did talk about it a little last week, but I, but I felt like there was something maybe for someone here today who just needs to hear this. When God says, Fear not, don't be afraid, it kind of says also that God's aware of whatever your situation is. God's, God's encouraging Paul saying, Don't be afraid, like I'm watching Paul, I see it. And so you get a little whisper from God that says, Don't be afraid. God's aware. He's watching. He knows it's hard. He can see those things. Paul's dealing with fear, probably of, of, of physical fear, right? Which is these angry mobs that are popping up. He's not popular. People are getting stoned and beaten. That, that's a fair thing. We don't have to deal with that. But we, what I think our physical fear sometimes is what happens if we change a little bit of our life, maybe financially, if that fear can creep in. Fear of failure. Paul's dealing in the city of people who don't seem like they care about him. That kind of emotional fear, embarrassment. God's saying, "Listen, I'm watching." I see you. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent, and not fearing for you and I. And I and I. And I this has just been. It's been amusing, been musing. I've been musing on this all week, and I just want to share it again today. Not fearing sometimes requires us doing something, not just not fearing. Not just not fearing. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Right? We hear that from God. Do not fear. But that doesn't. Re- that doesn't always just say just don't be afraid. It means doing something doing whatever you were afraid of. And so in this instance, God says it, don't be afraid, keep on speaking. He doesn't say, God doesn't say, don't be afraid, just stop speaking, you'll be fine. He says, keep speaking. Whatever that thing is that's striking fear into your heart, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because not fearing requires doing, not just not fearing. I've been, unfortunately or fortunately, my kids have been skating board, skateboarding more and more and more, which I cannot seem to, to not get involved in. So I used to skate a little bit, and I'm, I'm, I'm below average at it, but I can definitely do it, and I'm, I'm capable enough to hurt myself really bad. And so I think probably for the next few years of the church, I will have stories of hurting myself skateboarding. It started at Rogers' house probably a couple of months ago, and that took, oh, that was like a month or two of, of recovery of that injury. But I, I, I cleared that one, and I'm back out there again now. And so uh, and I love it. My kids um, are, are, are great. I love doing that with them. Grateful that I can to some extent. But I'm out at this skate park with Cash in Santa Paula uh probably around Christmas break sometime, a couple weeks ago. And it's this downtown Santa Paula, it's all these just cement, like a big cement bowl. And if you've ever seen these kind of things, there's little curves and ramps and things you could ride up and down. And uh it's great. There's a few kids there and Cash is cruising around and I'm I'm checking it out. And there's a little bit in my mind that's like I can ride this thing. Like, I'm pretty sure I can do this. And I, and I got up to, like, the top of the ramp where I've seen other guys, like, drop in on, on these, these sort of bowls, these cement bowls. And I'm, like, looking at it, looking at it. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I can do that, but I'm terrified. I'll go up to the edge just a few times, like, just, ah, man, there's just no way. And I just have to roll down this thing. Like, I'm, I'm almost certain, but, but I'm afraid. I don't want to get hurt, for one. I had just gotten hurt at Rogers, and I don't want to get hurt again. It's it's It's, it's terrible. But I'm circling around, I'm kind of circling this thing. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get embarrassed. I don't want to be embarrassed, right? There's other, kid, other kids there. I'm not a kid. I think <laughs> I'm a kid. There's no other adults there. There are kids there. <laughs> I don't want to fall down and hurt myself in front of other kids, right? I, in front of kids, because I still like, that still would embarrass me. Uh, I don't want that to happen. And then Cash to go home and tell mom about it, what happened to me at the park. That's like even worse. You won't believe what happened to dad. He like ate it in front of everybody, like, because <laughs> he would. And I don't want to embarrass my son. I don't want him to be embarrassed, so I went down and like, just, just wiped out. And, but, and, and I also didn't want to find out, and here's, here's one, one of the other realities I think about fear. When I'm up there kind of looking at it, I didn't want to find out that I couldn't do it. I didn't want to find out that I couldn't do it. Because as long as I thought I could and didn't, I, pro- I, I still could. I'm fine. I could still do that. I can still skate on these, on these bowls. I can, I can do that. But if I, if I take off and go and just eat it, Man, then I find out, like, actually, I can't do that thing, or worse, I have to go try again, right? But, I mean, it's sort of like this, this these, we find ourselves in these places of fear, and you can kind of circle around these areas in your life of, of you know, emotional, or maybe it's a financial risk. It's, hopefully, it's not physical fear for you, maybe, but, it, but it's scary to step out and to find out, man, I can't actually do that thing, so I'm better off just thinking I can, and so Paul was kind of in this place, like, almost, you can almost picture, like, I'm just going to get out of this city. I'm pretty sure I eventually could do it, but it's, I'm just going to walk away. And God's like, no, keep doing what you're doing. Don't be afraid. Speak up. And that's very literal, I think, for many of us. Don't be afraid. Speak up. I still deal with this sometimes just because being a pastor, I find myself uh, with just a hint of insecurity about that when I meet people out at, at, at the brewery or just around town or down at this Hollywood event a couple weeks ago, and we're meeting people who I just... My guesses are just not interested in the church, or that culture is, the church is not their favorite, and like, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. That's easy for me. I don't, that doesn't bother me one bit. Like, I can skip get behind that all day. But when I say I'm a pastor, that includes a church, which includes all this other stuff, that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to open that up. And it always happens. We're talking with this guy that we're working with at the event. It's, you know, all kinds of Hollywood types and celebrities and producers, and, and they tend to have a certain worldview, and sometimes it's, at least they think it contrasts our worldview, and sometimes it does. And we're talking with someone, i just like, oh, gosh, when is he going to ask what we do? You know, that classic thing, it happens to me over and over again. I'm thinking, well, you know, I do I do, do quite a few things, so maybe I can just kind of skate around it. And he's like, what do you guys do? And Amy's like, well, he's a pastor. I'm like, ah, oh, come on, you know. And he's like, oh, but then he's, like, he's also a bartender. He's like, oh, okay, you know. So <laughs> it helps. But, but man, I, it, but it, but I have to feel in those moments because it's, for me, it's like, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? You know, I'm afraid of maybe someone being uncomfortable or, or, or some sort of embarrassment. It's like, don't be afraid, speak up. That Speak up. And that's a thing I, I mean, I, I've been doing this a long time. And I still catch myself like, oh, no, don't ask what I do, you know. And that's, that's just me. It's something I'm processing. I'm not proud of it. But I kind of process those things out. And, and God said, don't be afraid, speak up. Don't be afraid, speak up. Some someone need to hear that. Don't be afraid, speak up. That's a very, very clean word from God. Don't be afraid. Speak up. And then, and then God goes on to give, encourage Paul this, this other people in the city. And, and I want you to hear this today if you're here. You're not alone. Like you are not alone. Now, you, you may try to be alone. You may like being alone. Um, you may choose to pretend you're alone, but you're not alone. If you're in this space, even right now, if you're part of this community, like you're not alone. You can drive yourself into loneliness. You can act like no one cares about you, but you are not alone. That, that is a high value here that no one can be part of something and feel alone. You're part of the community. There's a family. There's people all over the city like that. You're not alone. And someone need to be reminded of that because it's easy to sometimes sit back, oh, I'm alone in this. For Paul, like, oh, I'm the only guy here. It's me against Corinth. It's me against the world. I'm, I'm the only one fighting this thing out. God's like, dude, there's plenty of people in the city. There's all kinds of other other use in the city. Sometimes that's humbling. That can take us off the platform of like I'm a champion for this thing. God's like, listen, dude, don't be afraid. I love you, but you're not alone. There are other people there. I have people there. God's like, I have people, and so so here you're not alone. Whatever the the, the deal is that you're going through, some of us like to like wallow in those things. You're not alone. You might choose to be, pretend you're alone. You're not alone. If you're here, you are not alone. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of things. I talk to people all over the city for years and years and years about very personal stuff. Right? Nothing surprised me. I know people who struggle with, with depression, with self-worth, with, with body image, with gossip, with finances, uh, with sins of the darkest kind, who struggle with being parents, who, who struggle with trust, with faith, with belief, of God, people, purpose, struggle with fear. You're not alone. I know people who deal with those things. And if you ask me, I'll tell you who they are. I know people. I, 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 and I sit back and people ache stuff sometimes to us because we just have that position in our, we have that, we're in that position sometimes in life for people. It's so encouraging. Like, listen, you're not alone. I've heard that story like 10 times. You're not alone in this. If you think you're alone, just push that away. You're not alone. That's a lie. That is a lie that you are alone. You are not alone. There are people in this city. There are people in this church. You are not alone. Whoever needs to hear that today, just don't miss it. One more time. You are not alone. If you feel alone, you are not alone. I, I, I've seen this stuff. We live this stuff. If you don't believe me about these people, you haven't met my New Jersey family. Like my family alone is all those things. Like I, I, I get it. They're real things. You're not alone. And so Paul gets this encouragement from God to sustain him. And this is champion Paul, champion church planter Paul all over the globe, back and forth on his ship, like getting bit by snakes and and performing miracles and in and out of prisons. Even Paul, God's like, listen, don't be afraid, man. You are not alone. You don't have to be alone in this. And we'll see Paul over time. He picks up people (laughs) to go alongside of him because even Paul needs people. Uh, We'll touch this read a little bit of Corinthians 1. It says this. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. Sosthenes was the guy at the end of Acts 18 who was beat down in the courts, publicly embarrassed, abused, uh, removed from his office of his job. So now Paul's with this guy, and they're writing together. So I'm writing to, to God's church at Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is kind of a standard greeting. We'll probably get into some of that another time. Um, but what he eventually gets into here is, is this in, in verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and process. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters, some are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. I follow Peter, or I only follow Christ. Paul says, Have, has Christ been divided into fractions? He says, well, was it, was it I, Paul, crucified you? Was it I, Paul, baptized you? And he kind of goes on. So there's this division. This is going to paint, again, the rest of the book. There's all kinds of bad stuff happening, but there's this, the, the church is cracking. The church is starting to fall apart, and it's divisive. And so Paul gets right into it. After his sort of greetings. he says, listen— there's division the there. We can't have that. We are all under the same roof here. We are all in the same family. We don't all have to be the same, but we all are, are, are following the same Lord. And stop getting off on these tracks of who you follow, who you follow, who did, who did what. We are all under the same thing. He's like, right away, chapter one, we got to cover this thing. You belong to Jesus. He's the head of the church. We're all in it, right? Stop fighting with one another. Stop fighting with one another. As he says, Christ has, has Christ been divided? no. Pull yourself together. We're all in the same household. And I think it's kind of classic here, and it, it, it can kind of easy to probably miss, but for, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, dear brothers and sisters. So this this Chloe, people in her household, basically ratted out all the other people in Corinth. Right? Somehow word got back to Paul about this thing from people of members of Chloe's household, which is probably servants of Chloe's household. So whoever Chloe is, she's prominent in the church. They would know about her. I don't know what relationship Paul had with his servants, but whatever they saw they didn't like, they made sure Paul found out about it. And they tattled on like the church of Corinth. And that's, how this, this, that's what stems this letter. Somebody's ratting out the, the church there to Paul. And you can imagine people getting this letter like, ah, oh, dang it, Chloe. What the heck? Get some control these people. You told, on, they told on us? Because no one likes to get told on. No one likes to get, get, get ratted out. And Paul is a fixer. Talk about it last week. He's a fixer. He's not going to hear something from someone and let it go. He's like, all right, we're going to get on this. I heard from Chloe's servant, so you guys are. And he's like, he's like ready to throw down. And that's, that's the beginning of, of this story. There's a guy in our, my household, my family's household, uh, who rats everyone out. And uh, I'm not going to mention any names, uh, name names on this, but he's the guy who yells, like, mom, Jet's on his phone, or mom, Bella's taking out the dog, not, hasn't taken out the dog. Um, you know, but, but he, he, he makes it a point to make sure mom knows about all the stuff that's going on. And, you know, it's a little bit like, oh, come on, but, you know, sometimes those things are good for us. Sometimes it's good. I mean, listen, my mom, Amy comes to me with these stern accusations. You let the kids play James Bond? I'm like, oh, who told you, you know, like, (laughs) like, dude, we're in this together. Why are you ratting me out? But these things ultimately are good for us. And so that's what's, what's kind of births this, this letter for Corinth. And so, so Paul's letter, it, it, we're going to get into some kind of strange church dynamics, but it's a letter about the people of Corinth being tattled on by the servants of Chloe's household. Some people saw something they didn't think that should be going on. And they, and they took initiative, they contacted Paul, and they spilled the beans on this church. And Paul's going to do something about it because he's a fixer. He's going to do something about it because he cares deeply for the city and its people think this any of our kind of work has to stem from love if it doesn't stem from love it's not going to work it's not going to last I, I don't care if it's trafficking or homelessness or some other social issues, civic issue in a city if you don't love it's not going to work I believe Paul cared and loved deeply for the city and he also knew that the formation of the early church was just that important It was just that important especially in a place like Corinth so look forward to that coming on and uh I'm gonna, we'll close out today. Uh, God, thanks for uh, your story. Thanks for the word. Um, it's for the text. It's the messages to us or around us, God. Look forward to getting into this book. Uh, I just pray right now, Lord, for someone, anyone who's just, man, they feel alone. Uh, I, I just hope that you can convey that, God, where maybe I can't. They are not alone. You are not alone. Lord, thank you uh, just for the honesty of the text. And I uh, think that we can be people who can be honest around you and one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Gilio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.